ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930 present The Drive. Brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Local then, local now. Never FDIC. It is Wednesday, February 5th. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. You can join the program by calling the Miller Lite phone lines at 877-420-TALK. That is 877-420-8255. Miller Lite hold true. Great taste. Only 96 calories it is. The original light beer. We had a big day today. We're going to hear a lot from Doc Holliday. Marshall announcing a couple more newcomers to the 2020 football recruiting class, and that's Charles Bell. He's a DB out of uh, Maryland. And uh, Keelan Roach, he is also a DB out of uh, Columbia, South Carolina. We're going to hear more about this recruiting class. Just to kind of give you a preview, Doc was asked about both these young men earlier today during his presser, and uh, here's what he had to say. He's- you know, Bell's a kid that, uh, that uh, went to Georgia a week ago, and they really liked him. I mean, he was close to going to Georgia, to be honest. And, uh, you know, that being said, he, he's a talented guy. Go watch him on tape. I mean, you watch him on film, he jumps out at you, whether he's playing offense, defense, and he's just a heck of a football player. JC did a great job, and and um, we're glad to have him. You guys are going to like what he's uh, really excited about, you know, his ability and uh, his athletic ability as well. He's, he's a good player. Okay, you're going to get more Doc Holiday later on the program, but uh, we're going to kick things off with a good friend of mine. Also, he is the mayor of the village of Barbersville. Chris Tatum is with us now, and um, surprisingly enough, Chris, we're not talking Huntington High football or anything like that, as you also do the play-by-play for us for Huntington High football. No, we're talking about another sports story. Um about $1.8 million, the village approving towards a multi-sports complex, which will be built at Barbersville City Park. And on the surface, uh, this sounds like a great thing that's going to just have an immediate impact once it opens for bringing in a lot of sports tournaments. And I'm sure that's just the tip of the iceberg here. Well, you know, the, the village has talked about a facility like this for a long time. As a matter of fact, um, a multi-use recreational complex, including sports, has been talked about since I was a kid. Um, so I think it's always been on. I think it's always been on the stove. Uh, it just kind of hit the burner here in the last couple of years because of the soccer tournaments that we've been able to host uh, here since 2012 with the U.S. Soccer uh, Regional Eastern Region Finals. And, of course, us having the bid on the President's Cup, the Coles Cup, and a couple of others who've, who've been here on numerous occasions. Um, I think everybody knows that youth sports is is, is uh, pretty highly regarded here as well. So, you know, this complex looks to serve a, a number uh, of our youth. Uh, you know, we, we announced the first phase, which is, three synthetic uh, turf fields that will not only be lined for soccer, we'll have one line for soccer and football, and then they'll all have the ability to be lined for uh, baseball and softball, lacrosse, and uh, a number of outdoor uh, sports. And, and uh, actually, when you, when you go and, and look at the plan, actually have nine youth league size fields uh painted into this into this design as well so you could have as many as nine soccer games going on a couple you know baseball and softball practices and uh travel football tournament you could have three full-size football fields for travel football so there's a there's a lot of possibilities to this to this uh first phase but then you know hopefully uh, here in the in the near future we we get to work on phase two which will be an indoor indoor element that could house 
you know, basketball and volleyball and, and indoor sports, uh, you know, for anyone. Uh, we talked about pickleball, the possibility of pickleball. So there, it's kind of a it's kind of an open easel right now on, on phase two, but I think we've got a pretty good start uh, with, with our synthetic fields to, to accommodate a variety of outdoor sports. And then, like I said, I think we've got a pretty good start on what, what the needs are for, for indoor as well. It should be a pretty neat space. We've got uh, in that design some some areas for that you could even have trade show you you know for or, or vendors for whatever tournament that you're housing at that point whether it's indoor or outdoor it's a it's a neat uh, it's a neat design our council is is really in tune with you know the, the sports tourism industry it's a nine billion dollar industry and we've already proven that that we can we can get our chunk of that and and contribute to the local economy uh, through sports tourism so this will just help further that mission and, and it also solidifies our commitment to our youth sports and, and youth sports in, in the tri-state really now you mentioned it's something that's going to impact the local economy you're not talking just the village you're talking huntington you're talking charleston every point in between we've even seen a lot of this spill over into ashland and kentucky area ohio as well because you bring a lot of kids in, you bring a lot of families in, they got to stay somewhere. So these are events that can really impact a lot of economies, not just uh, immediately or directly in the village. Well, in all honesty, if you look at, if you look at, just do the simple math, take 220 some soccer teams in our, at our largest tournament that we have. If you take those 220 teams, times that by 11, and then an average of five or six people and their family coming to see them at a tournament or taking time to take vacation to come to these tournaments, that's a lot of people in town and that's a lot of hotel rooms that are full. And honestly, Paul, they're full from down below Ashland into Grayson, up past Clendenin and Charleston. And there were even people who stayed in Chapmanville this past summer. That's how many people were in town for this thing. So, you know, it's it's a great opportunity for, for this area to put their best foot forward, to welcome these athletes and their families. And really, you know, we've gotten great feedback, and that's why they continue to come back. We have a, There's so many people to thank for that. There's an army of volunteers with local Rotary Club Boy Scout groups and Girl Scout groups. Even volunteers from from our respective cities, uh, everybody just kind of goes all in for the time that those visitors are here to make sure their experience is great. Um, and that's again, that's why they keep coming back. So it, and it does. All the restaurants are full as well. All the shopping venues are full. So a lot of these people are, are taking their summer vacations based around their son or daughter's uh, youth sports programs. And like I said, it's a nine billion dollar industry. We've already proven that that we can capture some of those dollars, and I think this just helps further that mission. What kind of infrastructure is going to need to be addressed to um, to make this thing um, not only uh, successful, but not be something that is a quagmire? We've seen you know time and time again, you get a lot of people come into an area. Uh, sometimes they don't know where they're going. Sometimes there's road jams. And I know there are probably things in the works that make this make sense, not only from, hey, let's have this thing, but let's make sure people can get to this thing. Well, there there are, and I think that's I think that's any time that you put that many people in an area. But you know, we've been doing this since 2012. Barbersville was the first first place that U.S. Youth Soccer showed up at in West Virginia. So you know, our police department, we have people volunteering, parking cars. Uh, we have people volunteering, uh, flagging cars in and out of the complex. But we've got two pretty good egress and ingress points uh, for, for Barbersville Park that put them right out onto Route 60 close to interstate interchanges. 
and the signage is always good. U.S. Youth Soccer and West Virginia Youth Soccer do a great job uh, along with, you know, like I said, the police department of putting up signage well before these families get into town. So we make it easy for them to find where they're going. And, and you know, like I said, these business owners are happy to see them come in. So anytime they see somebody who looks like a stranded person and they don't know where they're going, they always, they, you know, they, they normally will go the extra mile and just take them there themselves. But it's, it's well marked, and I think these a lot of these people have been coming since 2012. You know, a lot of these kids, and I don't know if you saw the story or not, but a lot of these kids kind of cut their teeth here. And there's a, a few of the kids from Marshall that play on the football team and soccer teams that cut their teeth at Barbersville Park and said, you know, because of that opening ceremony that you guys had at, at Marshall Stadium or because of the, the facilities that you guys had, we decided to come back here and go to school. We loved it that much. So, you know, I think there are a lot of families who are already familiar with the area and then those who aren't, they get coached up by the ones who are. And then, you know, the ones the ones that are coming for the first time, they, you know, it's, we make it as easy as possible on them. So, you know, those those infrastructure needs aren't aren't that great. I mean, I think anytime you look at that many people, you can obviously improve someone's experience. But overall, we've gotten positive feedback for a lot of years. And, you know, to, to be able to do synthetic turf as, as phase one, it just cuts out the possibility of delays for weather um, and playing into the night because this facility will be lit as well. So, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things that we're going to be able to do uh, to extend tournaments, to attract larger tournaments, and then, you know, just speak regular infrastructure. You know, there's a, there's a lot of earthwork that needs to be done before these June and July tournaments, and we're hoping to have this complex ready to go for those tournaments this coming year. Chris Tatum's with us. He's the mayor of the village of Barbersville. An announcement being made, or at least the approval, of $1.8 million toward a multi-sports complex. This is phase one and phase two, three, and how many other phases you feel that is needed will follow. But uh, <laughs> this is a, a great start for youth sports, not just for the village, but for the region, including Huntington, Charleston, and you know, all points in between and probably in the tertiary area as well. So a uh, huge, huge announcement today. I think uh, maybe um, once it hits, uh, a lot of people will realize, hey, what a big thing this is really going to be. Well, I think, like you said, when people see earth moving and equipment mobilized and, and you know, you see the, the facility really taking shape. And it's it's a beautiful facility now. It's just on natural surface. So, you know, you, you get the threat of rain or you have rain. That's that's one of the things we're trying to avoid is is the possibility of, of rain outs and, and things of that nature. But, you know, also having the having lighting out there and, and then having that indoor element down the road a ways, uh, just, you know, having the ability to, to, to have these kids play all year round in, in some way, shape, or form. You know, it's, uh, like I said, youth sports and youth sports tourism is a $9 billion industry, and it's not getting smaller. You know, uh, these programs continue to grow. And uh, we, we want to be a part of that. And I think we've already proven we can be a part of that. Can I get some indoor ice while I'm at it, Chris? Can I get- <laughs> That'd be great. I would actually love that. I would actually love that. I mean, you know where I'm going with this. I'm, I'm not going to go there today. I do. But, but you know where I'm going. I do know where you're going. And I would I actually would love that. I love live, I love live hockey. And uh, uh, so it would make me no more happy than be able to do something like that. I, you know, I hate that, you know, we had our shot at that a few times and, uh, it just didn't go, but man, that would be exciting. I'd love it. All right, phase four or phase five. It won't bug you about it too much. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Chris, T- <laughs> Chris Tatum is with us. He is the mayor of the village of Barbersville. Also, uh, during football season, he is uh, a voice you hear right here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. And, uh, 
We'll talk to you soon because I'm sure this is just the first of many uh, good things happening for the village uh, as far as sports are concerned. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, Chris. All right, Paul. Thanks, my friend. That's Chris Tatum. We'll hear from Doc Holliday when we continue on today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Buckle up. Paul Swan has the wheel on The Drive. ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to the Wednesday edition. The drive continues on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Doc Holliday earlier this afternoon took a few minutes out of his schedule to talk to us about upcoming football season. Most importantly, signing day, recruits. Now, it's not like it used to be. Everything sort of has been spread out a little bit more. I don't know if the fun's still there, but... Marshall added a couple of kids today to the 2020 football recruiting class, and that's Charles Bell and uh, Keelan Roach. And Doc spoke about them earlier, if you were with us at the top of the show. But Doc, of course, majority of these kids, at least a lot of the kids that we know about already are signed already or on campus, or at least a lot of them are. So I don't want to say this is anticlimactic. This is just adding to the list today. But Doc... Still pretty excited because he can talk a little bit more about what he's got coming to the team, what to expect for the upcoming season. And here's Doc Holliday's opening statement about today's signing day. I uh, thought we met our needs in this class, and I'm going to talk a little bit about recruiting here in a minute, how things have changed the last couple of years because they really have as far as numbers and try to mix and match and that type of thing. But you know, we, went, we went into this deal. We thought we had to get uh, had to get our linebacker depth squared away and and get some older players there. I thought we did that. I think the great thing is, is we got about eight or nine of these kids are on campus right now. Uh, three of the linebackers are here, and we've had the opportunity um, for the last three weeks to watch, or last two last two weeks to watch these guys work out. Had a, had some had some things we did with them yesterday, and of course had our mat drills this morning. And like what we see of those, of those three linebackers being Charlie Gray, uh, Bo Plan, and Cavacante. Cavacante is a guy who was the MEAC defensive preseason player of the year a year ago. Uh, so at Delaware State, and he's a grad transfer that uh, has played a lot of football along with these junior college guys. So we think about, you know, we lost Amari Cobb. Uh, we lost uh, Tyler Brown, who gave us a lot of reps there a year ago. So we think these older kids can come in along with Beckett and help us shore up that linebacker position. Then we lost, of course, the two corners. And we were able to get a couple of JUCO corners. Uh, one of them, Joshua Bowers, is already here. Uh, we like what we see with him. Uh, we're excited about Kalen Roach, the other junior college we, uh, kid we signed uh, out of Georgia military that we spent a lot of time evaluating. And the one thing I know about that corner position and nickel position is you can play young kids. You know, over the years we've done that. And we also signed, uh, you know, three high school guys along with that. So we felt like we, uh, we, felt like we met our needs there, along with uh, another three uh, or four linebackers there that we signed that are high school players. So. Those were kind of the uh, points of emphasis for us at that point. Then just to get on a little bit, and, uh, you know, I talked to a lot of people. So I talked to guy Georgia and a lot of places. And, you know, what's happened now with this early signing period, I mean, most of the kids are all signed. Georgia, I think, signed two or three kids this morning. Uh, we signed just a couple. But what's happened with all this transfer portals and all this stuff that's going on, I mean, if you sign a kid right now, and this has changed than what it was, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, and he does not make it academically, all right, then you lose that scholarship for the year, okay? So what's happened is these kids that are all signed right now to national letters are all eligible guys that, that you know are going to be here. Uh, again, with the addition of these guys, oh, there's probably 10 or 12 guys that I can't talk about 
that'll be on campus in school in June. And that's, uh, so that'll be added to this class that we can't talk about at this point, but we gotta work on some things to, to get those guys here. So, you know, with that being said, we're excited about these guys. Uh, you know, I've, and again, you know, with this transfer portal and all the things that are going on, if you end up signing 25 guys uh, and you use a, what's called an initial and an offer on those guys, which every guy you sign is an initial and an offer, then you can't, if somebody comes available, you can't take them. Uh, you, you don't have space to take those guys. And if also if you sign a guy to a national letter of intent and they become an initial and an offer and they're not eligible when the season rolls around, you've lost that scholarship for a year. They take that away from you. So. So it's so critical now that you you you, know, you manage these offers and these initials the right way. So if all of a sudden, you know, uh, we've got five of them that are still available, uh, one of them will go to whoever our kicker is next year. He'll be one of them. You know, right now we don't have a kicker on scholarship, but that kicker, when it when it when he becomes that guy, that's where one of those initial that's one of those initials and one of those offers go to, or Morehouse uh, would be kicking field goals out here next year. So that's how that works with that guy. And then we'd like to, you know, we're always looking for, you know, we'd like to, you know, get a, you know, this whole portal thing, there's over 2,000 kids in there right now, which I think is crazy. What's going to happen is every, every time, and you guys read it as well as I do, you, every time you pick up the paper, there's two or three that go in there. How about it? Connecticut's got 24, 24 players in the portal. It's just sad. I mean, Virginia Tech's got 12 or so. Uh, you know, I mean, Stanford's a school you'd never think would have a graduate transfer that people go to Stanford to get a degree. They got like 12, you know, I mean, and Wake Forest, how about Wake Forest had their, maybe the best quarterback in the ACC. Uh, the, their backup had already left. He left. And now here's Coach Clawson sitting there and things going to have a hell of a team next year and they don't have a quarterback, you know. So it's created a lot of issues for a lot of people. And you got to try, try to manage that the best you can. So uh, fortunately for us, I think at this point, we've only had a couple guys that are scholarship guys that, that had an opportunity to play that, have, that are in that portal. So. See where it goes. I think we're in good shape as far as when things do happen and, and we have the ability to, to make some things happen there. So I'll take some questions and then really appreciate our staff. Our staff did a tremendous job. I thought uh, Greg Atkins did a great job taking over the recruiting coordinator position once at Mike. How about Mike Trier? He had three jobs in one week. I don't know if I ever had a coach do that, but he goes to Florida State, to Colorado State, to the New York Giants in one week. He's a fast, he got it. I think he's U Haul. His clothes are still in Florida State, I think. So. But I'm happy for all those guys, happy for him, and did a tremendous job while he was here. So that's a good thing. But uh, also, uh, we're able to bring, I think, uh, Luke Day is back. really like what Luke's all about. Luke will help us a lot. I'm glad he's here. Glad he's back. Uh, you know, I, lost all, I lost four strength coaches, so I had to replace all four of those guys. And I'm really happy with where that weight room is right now. As you all know, that's where games are won in that weight room. And Luke's the best I've ever had, so I'm glad he's back. But, uh, it's Doc Holliday opening statement. We're going to hear more from Doc. He doesn't like the transfer portal, and we'll hear in his own words why. But before we leave you and head to the break, he talked about Luke Day being back, and we mentioned that yesterday. So a question was asked of Doc: What makes Luke Day so good? Well, obviously, he's just you know he just brings you know the way he does things, the toughness he brings to him, the the message he gives him every day. You know, he's just a he does such a great job, you know, not only with the physical toughness that he brings, but also the mental toughness. And you know, he gets involved in the kids' lives. He's just a just a tremendous, tremendous guy that uh, our kids have great respect for. And uh, you know, I talked to a lot of guys. And matter of fact, Tyler Brown, who I've got a lot of respect for, and I asked Tyler Brown, I said, "Tell me about Luke." You know, when I was bringing Luke back, and he goes, "Luke changes lives," and and he does. You know, he gets around these kids and gets involved in their life, and not only 
prepares him mentally, but also physically as well. So glad he's back. And I like our staff. I mean, you know, I don't think we've announced our other guys yet, so I probably can't do that at this point. But uh, got another strength coach has been a head strength coach at another place that came to us and excited to be here. So got a great staff in there right now. Doc Holliday on the addition or bringing back of Luke Day. We're going to hear more from Doc, including how he feels about the transfer portal. Really, tell me how you feel, Doc. We'll hear about that when we continue on today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Never miss a moment of The Drive with Paul Swan. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're catching up on Marshall recruiting today as Don Conley sat down with us earlier to talk about the signing class, a couple of additions to the class today. Charles Bell, DB out of Maryland, and Keelan Roach, also a DB out of Columbia, South Carolina. Additions to the already bunch of kids that he's got signed. And as you heard Doc earlier, if you weren't with us, he said that thing that stands out, he's got a lot of these kids already on campus. He's getting them in the system, ready to go. So he's pretty happy about that. But uh, he talked a lot about in his opening statement about the transfer portal. Doc's not a fan. It's opened up the door for a lot of movement in college football. Student athletes who maybe feel like they've got a bad situation, they don't like where they're at, whatever the reason. There's so many, I can't list them all. But the transfer portal has made it so a kid can maybe get out of a situation he's not happy with. And for the kid, it might be a good thing or it might not be. You really, it's a toss-up. Either you're good enough and another school is going to take a chance on you or you're going to find yourself out in the cold and without a team and a scholarship. So it can go both ways. Doc was asked about this as far as, hey, is this just bad? Is the transfer portal bad? And here's what he had to say. You know, I think it is. I, I really do. I mean, you know, I just, uh, you know, and everybody, every coach you talk to, you know, feels the same way I do. I mean, you know, I've said many times, Keith, it just, uh, you know, the thing that, you know, whether it be basketball or athletics in general, teaches these kids to overcome adversity and fighting through things and, you know, and all those things. And, I mean, now kids just pick up and leave, you know, and they can pick up. And, you know, the sad thing is, and, and, and what happened in that national championship game, and not in that, but the four play teams that were in the college football playoff, you, know, you had three guys were in that pool. You had, you had Hertz at Oklahoma. You had the Burroughs kid at LSU, and you had the Fields kid at Ohio State. Well, that was like a poster child for the transfer portal. Everybody looked at those three guys, and one of them won the Heisman. said, this is the greatest thing in the world. But what they don't look at is that I think Mike Hamrick and I were talking, I think there's like 70% of the kids that go in that portal end up with nothing. You know, they end up without – they give up a scholarship, and they end up not with not anything. So you don't read about all that. You know, so all these kids, they got these bright eyes and these big lights, and – you know, they all go into that deal, and, and for a lot of them, it doesn't work out. And it's just, uh, you know, number one, I think it sends a wrong message. I think it, uh, you know, there's Wake Forest. There's a guy that had their quarterback, and they're looking to have a great season next year. And also, now they don't have a quarterback on campus. I mean, is that good for college football? I don't think so. But that's, you know, it's here, and I can assure you it's here to stay. And uh, so, you know, as coaches, we got to adjust to it and uh, and be prepared for it and do the best we can. Doc, not a fan. Not a fan. And he's got some serious points there because a kid does give up. I mean, that's the chance you take. If you're going to put yourself in that transfer portal, that's the chance you're taking. Are you good enough to go somewhere else? Or can you go somewhere else? You might be good enough, but there's also a lot of kids who are good enough 
and you might not land in a situation that's better. For me, I've always said, don't leave early. Get the scholarship. Use it. Take advantage of it. Get your degree. Got plenty of time to go pro. And for some of these kids, maybe they're trying to put themselves in the best position to go pro. For a lot of these kids, maybe they are genuinely not happy. Or there is some discourse between them, the coaching staff, or the program. I mean, there are several reasons that are valid and legit for a kid to want to put himself in the transfer portal and to take that chance. And for some others, maybe they're just looking for a better situation. Whatever the case may be, it's personal to that young man. But at the same time, I understand it does put a a hurting on these programs. It puts them in a bind. I mean, that's fair to say. But at the same time, if you've got a situation where it's just going bad, do you tough it out? I mean, I can't answer that question. It's an individual question. Do you tough it out or do you try to find a better situation? If your job was falling apart and there was a better situation available, would you take it? I don't know if we can compare the two, but if you've got a bad situation at work, you're looking for another job, right? Well, it's a little different with these kids because they've got a scholarship and they might not find another opportunity like that. So it might be better for them to tough it out, get the education. But if they've got these aspirations past college football, they think they can play pro. And I'm going to tell you right now, A lot of these kids have that aspiration, and a lot of kids are realists and think, okay, I'm going to take advantage of this. I'm going to get an education. I'm going to play college football and see what happens. And there's a couple more avenues for them. There's, of course, XFL. I don't know how long that's going to last, but we're going to find out if it's going to be any good. We've got it coming up. And, of course, there's Canadian football. And there's also coaching. There's other avenues for these young men if they want to stay in football. But the transfer portal has kind of made it difficult now to keep a team intact. It's also made it difficult for a kid to, to maybe finish out his career because once he puts himself in that class, and it goes for all athletes, not just football players. Once a player puts himself or herself in that transfer portal, uh, you're crossing your fingers that maybe somebody else is going to pick you up and take a chance on you. All right, Doc, of course, talking about recruiting earlier this afternoon, and uh, one question that was asked of Doc was, what stands out in this recruiting class? And uh, I think we alluded to that a little bit, that a lot of these kids are on campus, and that's one thing that does stand out for Doc. One thing stand out for me is the number of them that we have here on campus right now. You know, when, when those three junior college linebackers, or two junior, you know, or two junior college linebackers and the grad transfer from Delaware State, and also the DB are already on campus, you just see so much good. Number one, they're with us right now. They're working out. We can coach them up. And then you go through spring football, they're going to be so much further ahead, you know. And got a tight end, Hagler, the young tight ends here with us, you know, and the quarterback. And, you know, there's, we had a receiver here on campus already. It was a high school kid. So just those kids, and, you know, you guys have all seen and those guys that come in early, you know, seem to be able to have the opportunity. Brock Thompson was a guy like that that came in early and got his feet wet in spring ball. And they're just so much further ahead by the time August rolls around to where. You, know, you can hopefully get something out of them. The doc's pretty happy. I've got kids already on campus. I get to work with them now, get to coach them up. They're going to be ahead of the schedule when we get the spring ball. So that's one thing that really stands out for him. Now, we've talked about the transfer portal, and it's hit Marshall. It's not decimated Marshall, but it's hit Marshall. Obi Obialo, he's gone. He puts himself in the transfer portal. He gets to go to Oklahoma. So great story for him so far. He gets to go to a bigger program. But you got to rebuild that position as well, right? Well, that was a question that was asked of Doc about that wide receiver situation. Obi's gone. Do you try to go out there and get yourself some senior leadership? Do you use the transfer portal? You were bitten by it a little bit. Now you can have an opportunity to go out, get a kid who's a senior, who's a senior leader, 
Bring someone who has some experience. Bring them into your wide receiver core. Help your situation. What do you do in that case? Well, here's Doc's response to that. I like what we have. I mean, I mean, I think Willie had his best year yet a year ago. You know, Artie, Artie Henry's by. Artie, Artie made a lot of plays for us as, as a junior. You know, got hurt last year and had knee surgery. And, you know, now he's back full speed, ready to go. I like Brock a lot. I think Talik Keaton, you know, for a freshman last year was all-conference as a punt returner. I mean, he's a talented guy that's uh, – and uh, Corey Gamage and uh, Caleb McMillan are having their best winter ever. This is the first really actual winter they've had, you know, where they're in that weight room and they're in, they're in the mat drills and they're in this, the uh, development part of it that we do. And, I mean, those guys have been tremendous. You know, I think you're going to see a, great, a big time jump with those guys from freshman to sophomore years because they're getting, un- they're, they're getting what they need right now is getting, getting, you know, worked in that weight room and getting the mat drills and everything that those guys need to to grow up and be the kind of players we know they can be. Doc Holliday talking a lot about that transfer portal and in this situation, maybe not going to the transfer portal to take care of the wide receiver situation. We've got more from Doc Holliday, and we'll get your phone calls in as well at 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. The Miller Lite phone lines, Miller Lite Hold True, great taste, only 96 calories. It is the original light beer. we got more on the way. It's The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're taking Paul Swan everywhere. Download or subscribe to The Drive with Paul Swan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm everywhere. Digitally, you can find me on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Find me on Twitter as well, at Paul Swan, Facebook. You can find me everywhere. They're not taking me everywhere, though. I mean, I think we can expand that further, so let's work on that for 2020. Welcome back to The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM at AM 930. We've been talking a little bit about Doc Holliday, his presser earlier this afternoon, as, of course, the Thundering Herd adding a couple of names to the 2020 football recruiting class. We might see some more because, again, the transfer portal, it's something that Doc Holliday really not a fan of, but at the same time, he understands, okay, here it is. It's a tool. I have to use it. I might not like it, but at the same time, I'm going to take advantage of it. If it's there, I have to use it. I can't just, out of principle, not use it. So not a big fan of the way it's turned college football, but at the same time, Marshall definitely going to take advantage of the transfer portal. And something that Marshall's been pretty good at over the years is going the JUCO route also. And Doc was asked about that, specifically about the defense, because you see some kids on the list, they're JUCOs, they're going to play defense for the Thundering Herd. Seems like there was a trend there. So Doc was asked the question, is there something there going to those JUCOs, going that JUCO route for players on defense? I don't think he's getting the right guys. I mean, you know, Monty Levias was a pretty good tight end out of the JUCOs. And we've been, I mean, we've been Neville Hewitt, what a great kid and a great player he was. And Arnold Blackman, you know, we've had uh, really great luck with, with the junior college guys. And I think if you can get them here in May, I mean, these three linebackers, I'm really excited about these guys, you know, and uh, just watching what I've seen to this point. Number one, they're great kids. They work their tail off, and they've got the skill set that you need. And But, uh, you know, I think there's just, you know, Kerry on Morrell was another guy that, you know, from out there that we brought in. But, uh, you know, they got those guys have had, had some, uh, you know, they've, they've played at a little higher level than the high school level, and so they can help you a little earlier, and especially when they're here in, in – uh, all, all summer and, and, of course, have, have the opportunity to have him here this winter. It's a big thing for Doc, again, having kids on campus during the winter months, getting them in early so he, they can work with them, he can be a part of their 
early upbringing, get a head start on everything. Doc's big proponent of that. Now, another question, a little off on the recruiting side of this. This was a press conference today, talk about recruiting, of course, announcing a couple more newcomers. And this was a little off question-wise from that, but I will allow it. This was about Doc and the strength of schedule. Big jump in schedule, right? You, you got some pretty good teams, not only coming into play at Marshall, but you're on the road for a couple of pretty good games as well. So that was a question that was asked today. The schedule came out a while ago, and I guess uh, this is sort of that first opportunity to talk to Doc about it, and Doc talked about that strength of schedule. Pretty good. I don't think he has uh, remembered such a pretty good non-conference schedule in a while. So here's Doc addressing that question. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I guarantee it's, Keith, you can probably help me with this deal, but I'm not sure Marshall's ever played an out-of-conference schedule like we're going to have this year. But that's that's good. I mean, we get a chance to go on the road and play an East Carolina team that's going to be a whole lot better than what they've been a year ago under a new coach. And they played a lot of teams really tough down there a year ago, so that'll be a great challenge for us. And then get to come back and – I know uh, East Carolina didn't go to a bowl, but I know Pitt did. And Pitt's got one of the best defenses in America. And they're right out here, and so is Boise. You know, that we played really well a year ago out at Boise, so they're right here as well. And then we get to go down to Athens and play another bowl team. So, you know, those are three, you know, really challenging games there early on. And then, you know, in our, you know and this year, I mean, this year, I think we played eight or I think it was, it was an eight or nine teams, all right, that went to bowl games on our schedule this year. So this year's schedule was. Was, was good as well. So I think it was nine when Jason, at the end of the day, we played nine teams that went to bowls this year. So, you know, those in Conference USA, I mean, you look around the league and we say it every year, it's getting better. And, you know, so they're all great channel. But, you know, right now, you know, we're excited about the schedule. We're not going to worry about it. You know, right now we're just worrying about getting in that weight room and getting the off season and, and becoming the best football team we can be because it's going to be a great challenge for us. And got a lot of guys back. Got nine starters back on offense. And, and, uh, you know, that being said, we got a chance to get better and we got to become more consistent there and continue to play defense. Now, I politely disagree in one regard. I don't think going to a bowl is a true indicator of how good you are as a team because some of these bowl bids got to fill spots somehow. And I'm going to stay consistent. I've always said this too many bowls. So I politely disagree just slightly there. That's just one man's opinion. On the flip side of this, Again, even though I think there are too many bowls, I'm not going to be the one to tell a kid, hey, look, sorry, you can't go to a bowl and enjoy all of that. I'm not going to be that guy. So, too many bowls, but it's still a good thing for the kids. All right. That's Doc Holliday from earlier this afternoon. Uh, If you weren't with us earlier, the two newcomers that were announced today, Charles Bell, a DB out of Maryland, and Keelan Roach, he's a DB out of South Carolina, and Doc talked about those two. Mostly, he talked about mostly Bell when we asked him about that earlier in the day. And if you missed that earlier, here's what Doc had to say about Charles Bell. You know, Bell's a kid that uh, that uh, went to Georgia a week ago, and they really liked him. I mean, he was close to going to Georgia, to be honest. And, uh, you know, that being said, he he's a talented guy. Go watch him on tape. I mean, you watch him on film, he jumps out at you, whether he's playing offense, defense, and – 
he's just a heck of a football player. JC did a great job, and and uh, we're glad to have him. You guys are going to like what he's. I'm uh, really excited about the, you know his ability and uh, his athletic ability as well. He's he's a good player. Basketball tomorrow's where we'll turn our attention. Don't forget tomorrow, since it's a basketball day, we won't have a show at five, but we do go on the air at six o'clock for our preview of Marshall and Southern Miss. I'll be joined by Bill Cornwell in the broadcast booth position. Our table. He'll be at the table with me, and we're going to preview Marshall and Southern Miss. Get you set. Hopefully, Thundering Herd on the basketball side can get a bounce back win. And if the Thundering Herd can do that, because let's be honest, you win one on the road, you lose one on the road, you like to get back home and win both of them. Put yourself in a position to avoid pod three. I know I've been talking about that a lot, but let's be honest. You got four games left. You better make your move now. You could either sink yourself or you can really put yourself in a good spot if you can win three or four of these games. I'm hoping the Thundering Herd can maintain some momentum with the homestand, get a couple of wins, go on the road, get a couple of wins. If that's the case, then they're going to look a lot better when it comes to the overall standings right now. They've got an opportunity. Southern Miss, it's a beatable team. I'm not going to say it's a win for the Thundering Herd, Doc. I mean, Dan has said, don't sleep on them. So I'm not going to argue with the coach. He says don't sleep on Southern Miss. I'm not going to sleep on Southern Miss. So we'll find out what they're about tomorrow at the Cam Henderson Center. Looking forward to seeing you all out there. And, of course, if you can't join us in person, you can lock it right here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930 as we'll have the broadcast for you. We go on the air at 6 o'clock with our pregame coverage tip-off set for 7 o'clock. So I'm excited. We get to see some herd basketball. These will be the final two home games before the pod schedule is announced. So two home games, two road games, and then we'll find out where the Thundering Herd will be situated in the pod, and then we'll see what the pod schedule looks like. We could have some weekend games at home. We could have some weekend games on the road. Whatever the case may be, you can listen to them all right here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. I want to thank the mayor of Barbersville, Chris Tatum, for joining me this afternoon. Also, Doc Holliday. We had his comments throughout the day. Signing day continues for a lot of football fans. And if you missed any part of today's program, don't forget you can go back and catch the show on the podcast. That's right. Wherever you get your podcast is where you can find The Drive with Paul Swan. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. Back tomorrow at 6 o'clock, we will talk Marshall basketball with you here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 7BS Huntington, your flagship home of the Marshall Thundering Herd and The Drive with Paul Swan, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.